This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio! Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and uh, we're coming to you from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the shores of Lake Ontario between Toronto and Niagara Falls, Ontario. If you would like to check us out online on all social media sites, X-Zone Radio TV, our website for the radio and TV show is TV. And if you'd like to find out about the great programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Don't forget we have, let me see, some of the shows are uh, Kevin Randall, A Different Perspective, Larry Lawson, Paranormal Stakeout, Dr. Bernie Beatman, Connecting with Coincidence, uh, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, uh, let me see, uh, The World Beyond with Joe Wegent, and they are just a couple of the shows that we have especially for you at www.xzbn.net. My guest this hour is a gentleman I've had the pleasure of knowing for many years. His name is Alan Sloniker, and uh, Alan is native of the city of Richmond. He grew up in a Victorian-era home in the city's downtown. It was there that he had his first brushes with the paranormal. Alan was exposed to the city's history and lore at a very early age. That sparked a lifelong interest in history and the paranormal, which ultimately led him to join CPRI in 2007. In joining CPRI, he was thrilled to find a group that approached the study of the paranormal in such an interesting and professional manner. Alan currently serves as the regional director for Central Virginia. Alan has a Bachelor of Science degree in criminal justice from Virginia Commonwealth University with a minor courses of study in sociology and urban planning. He has spent nearly 30 years involved in the public safety field, including search and rescue, EMS, and law enforcement. Alan has spent the last 20 years as a police officer, having served as a criminal investigator, and now as a police trainer. 
His interests include almost anything involving history, especially World War II, collecting and reproducing sci-fi movie props and costumes, and spending as much time on his Harley-Davidson as possible. Alan currently resides in Richmond, Virginia, area where he, uh, with his very patient wife, and uh, I can appreciate that, Monica, and uh, two wonderful children. For more information on Alan and uh, the CPRI, visit virginiaghost.com and on Facebook, V-A-C-P-R-I. And Alan, welcome back to the Exxon, old friend. How have you been? Great, great, great to be here, Rob. How many years have you been... You're uh, well. How many years have you been chasing the paranormal, trying to, you know, find out what it's all about? Uh, I have been involved for uh, 10 years now. Wow. Now, you and I were talking before we went to air, and we've got about two minutes before I have to take my first break, Alan. And and you were telling me about some fascinating, uh, fascinating things that you and your group are doing and the collection of new data. Yes, sir. Um, What we are trying to do at CPRI is kind of take paranormal investigation to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, You you have seen over the years lots of groups, lots of individuals that are uh, going out and they are attempting to get video, get audio, and so forth. We want to say, okay, we got audio, Mm -hmm. for example. But what else is occurring uh, in the environment? What can we actually quantify? Because we know if we hear a sound something is going on in the environment. There's a change. There's something we ought to be able to measure. And if we can pair that with uh, some phenomena that that we manage to to capture, um, maybe we can show that that something legitimate, something scientific is actually happening. Sounds interesting, Alan. You and I have got to talk more about this on the other side of this uh, break we have coming up shortly. XO Nation, Alan Sloniker is our very special guest, www.virginiaghost.com. And on Facebook, V-A-C-P-R-I. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, the July edition of the X Chronicles newspaper is available for one and all at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And uh, Alan and I will be back on the other side of this break talking more about ghosts, hauntings, things that go bump in the night, as well as this fascinating new information that Alan and his group are finding. Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to believe, uh, dare to be heard, Monday through Friday from uh, 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, iHeartRadio, or the Mutual Broadcast Network, across Europe and Asia on Euro Radio TV, and of course on the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Alan Sloniker is our special guest this hour at VirginiaGhost.com and on Facebook, V-A-C-P-R-I. And uh, Alan, the, the findings that you are, you and your group are, you know, are, 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 are collecting, I haven't heard about this before. What do you think that this is going to do to the entire paranormal field, especially when it comes to ghost hauntings and things that go bump in the night? Well, hopefully... Um we would like to get some attention to, to what we're doing mm-hmm. and, and how we're doing it. And other interested parties will hopefully start doing it the same way. Um, so if, if we can get uh, more people investigating the, the way that we're doing it, and, and obviously we're not perfect. We're, we're always tweaking mm-hmm. what we do and how we do it. Um, but maybe we can kind of, standardize the field and collect enough data that it starts to get uh, the appropriate attention from the, the mainstream scientific community. Why do, you, why do you think, Alan, that the mainstream scientific community hasn't, hasn't jumped onto the bandwagon and been of more help to the paranormal community? That's a that's a complicated question. It's, it's probably a combination of a number of factors. Um, you know, you if you go back and you, and you look at all kinds of cultures uh, across history, as far mm-hmm. back as you can go, there's always been ghost lore and and reports of of what we now call paranormal activity. Um, that's kind of a, a consistent thing in the human story. Um, and over time, I, th- I think it's been so wrapped in, in myth and in legend and in pop culture um, that uh, it doesn't have a, a lot of legitimacy in the eyes of, of some in, mm-hmm. in the scientific field. Um, and then, you know, today, you know, there's such a glut of, of paranormal pop culture uh, and sensationalism uh, that, that's associated with it that I, I I think it's very easily dismissed. Um, on the other hand, though, as we see that the scientific community starts getting increasingly into uh, uh, some just, uh, and I'm sure you've had programming on this, uh, just a lot of the, the, the quantum uh, theory mm-hmm. and multiverse and, and so many things that the physics community is exploring. That, that just kind of really challenge your perceptions and and and, and it's, it's almost sci-fi in, in, in some of what they're talking about in mainstream science. Um, maybe people are more open to it now 
And, and if we can come in and, and show that, hey, we're not just getting a recording, we're, we're getting data points. Um, maybe if we do it, enough people join in, start doing it, the field becomes more standardized, uh, less sensational, then uh, maybe somebody in academia will uh, really take notice. What do you think the biggest problem is when it comes to the different groups that are actually doing the the on-site investigations? Um, one thing I've noticed is there's there's very little communication between groups. Um, sadly, that that's that is true, um, and it is very very hard to communicate with groups mm-hmm. uh, at times. Um, and, and and you unfortunately you, you have a lot of groups, um, a lot of individuals that are in this field uh, more for the thrill and less uh, for the research. Um, and uh, I mean, we we just did a, a private residence case um, very recently um, mm-hmm. where there was no paranormal activity at all that we could document. Right. However, a, a group came in ahead of us. Um, and declared that it was haunted and there were demons involved and so forth and so on. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, the individual that we were trying to assist, um, you know, did have some significant mental health challenges. Uh, and rather than helping this individual, um, they, they really poured gas on a, on a brush fire. Um, so that, that really doesn't help. And, and that, that kind of stuff doesn't, advance the field. You're a trained professional investigator. You know there's a right way of doing things and a wrong way. There's a right way of collecting evidence. There's a wrong way of collecting evidence. I've talked to, I don't know how many different paranormal groups over the years, and one of the biggest problems I have discovered is that there's a very serious lack of training within the paranormal community. Yeah, true, true. And, and and really, you know, how do you train for something like this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's no, there's no training manual. There's no, uh, uh, you know, set uh, protocols. Right. So, so what we do is we fall back to the things that we're experienced with uh, and, and, and believe we can trust, mm-hmm. you know, going to the scientific model, uh, the scientific method and using the experimental model. Um, and then we try to bring people into our organization that have skill sets that um, can be utilized in, in, in the type of work that we're doing, uh, whether it's people in law enforcement, and uh, there's two or three of us at this point uh, that are in law enforcement, um, people with, uh, you know, actual trained scientific backgrounds, mm-hmm. whether uh, that's chemistry, physics, um, computer engineering. Um, we have uh, an MD on staff. Uh, we have people that have counseling backgrounds uh, on staff. Um, so those disciplines, I think, really help. Do you think it would be an asset if there was a centralized database of evidence that had been collected over the years by all the different groups where it could be cross-referenced and checked? Just like in law enforcement, you have in the United States, you've got NCIC, and up here in Canada, we have CPIC. 
And I, I, I know that law enforcement, in order to solve a crime, needs to work together. There has to be the sharing of information. Why isn't the same principle applied to within the investigation of the paranormal? Again, it's kind of a tough question to answer. I mean, I, I think you have a lot of organizations that, that are just not operating with those protocols, mm -hmm. uh, for one. Um, and, and they are not recording data or archiving data. Um, and uh, so, so that's one aspect of it. I think the other one is, um, you know, you, you've seen a glut of, for example, paranormal pop culture, paranormal yeah. television shows. And I think every people, for whatever reason, are, are inclined to hang on to stuff. I, it, it's, it, it's kind of a vexing thing. We, we've talked about it amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know, why, why can't we kind of generate that, uh, that level of, of cooperation, data collection, and data uh, sharing? between organizations but in you know a lot of the cases it's just getting them to operate in that way um, now what we have done um, within our organization is is we have set up a, an RMS system a records management system mm -hmm. that is not unlike what um, police agencies in the United States use to uh, catalog store uh, reports right and, and make data retrievable and I'm, I'm sure they do exactly the same thing in Canada. Yep. Um, the, um, and so we have created an RMS system. So when we open a case, that case is assigned a number mm -hmm. and individual investigators can go in, put in their individual reports, and that's but all becomes part of the overall investigative report. So that includes, you know, narratives, but, but also whatever technical data that we have collected as well. What was it in your life that proved to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the paranormal is real? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I had experiences growing up. Mm -hmm. the, the house that, that I grew up in had things happen in it that were... I thought unexplained. Right. Um, my late father um, had bought the house from the family that built it mm -hmm. in uh, 1898, and um, he experienced stuff within the house as well. And it was it was the activity was not regular uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It was very very sporadic, but it did happen. And it was footsteps. I know my father reported apparitions a couple times, uh, but you would hear footsteps, you would hear sounds, you would hear voices occasionally. Um, my grandparents had a place in uh, Virginia's Northern Neck, and I, I saw a, a shadow figure there outside one time. I remember it vividly. I was probably, um, sheesh. I If I was 12 years old, I, I'm not even sure I was that old, but wow. somewhere between 10 and 12. And I saw this. I looked outside this window, mm -hmm. and it was an illuminated area near tool shed they had. So, you know, it wasn't dark, dark, but it was at night. And, and I saw this tall, slim, just just very bizarrely slim, actually, uh, uh, shadow figure with kind of an oversized head. And it was just standing there, and it took two steps towards a grove of, of pine trees. And um, 
disappeared. And, and there was never any haunted or reports of haunting activity in that, that space, that house, that neighborhood, nothing. Um, the thought hadn't even occurred to me to, to think about activity, ghosts in that area. Um, I don't even know if I saw a ghost, mm-hmm. but it was weird. <laughs> it was it was weird, and it, and it, it uh, I mean, it, as a child, I, I didn't even tell my grandparents or my parents when I saw it because I, I, I didn't think they'd believe me. Um, but it was, it was very, very strange. So I was interested in it from from a young age, you know, partially because of experiences like that, and then joining CPRI, uh, I've, I've had experiences since then that that have really cemented for me that that something is going on now we we say colloquially colloquially that it's a ghost but you know do we even know what a ghost is and and truth be told we don't we we it's phenomena yeah it's a manifestation of something but uh i i have no doubt that that phenomena those manifestations exist do you think that we're getting any closer to the to the discovery of who, what, when, where, and why these so-called apparitions or ghosts, what they really are? I don't know that we're closer. I, I, I think mm-hmm. that the mainstream scientific community has, has started to put out some ideas and some theories that, that may... Um, tie into it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not nearly intelligent enough to, to speak on it, but, um, you know, when you start hearing things about multiverse theory, uh, yeah. wormhole theory, that kind of stuff, I mean, is there a possibility that, that one of these other universes is somehow bumping up against ours and that's the source of a manifestation? Uh, that that uh, time is, is not necessarily linear, so perhaps, and, and a lot of manifestations get reported like this. All right, uh, let's talk more about this when we come back from this news break. Uh, Alan Allen Sloniker is our guest, VirginiaGhost.com, and on Facebook, VACPRI. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Alan, the fact that you're in Virginia, and Virginia is very rich in history, could this be a reason why there are so many apparitions, so many occurrences, so many ghosts and other paranormal activity that are that are actually happening in the area where you live and where you investigate? 
again, we, we don't know. Um, mm-hmm. We speculate that, that that there may be the case um, when you talk or when you hear reports uh, in, in Virginia, so much of what gets reported is historical in nature. Um, a lot of what uh, would be classified as residual hauntings. And when we go to some of these locations, um, that would uh, be uh, a fair amount of what we think we're, we're getting in there. Um, and we're talking about manifestations that don't seem to necessarily uh, have intelligence, almost just like watching a, a movie or listening to a recording mm-hmm. of something. Um, and so that may, there may be some environmental factor that causes this. Um, what it is, we, we, we can't even begin to say. Um, but part of what we're doing as an organization is we're trying to not just collect this stuff, not just uh, get uh, quantifiable data, but also go back to the same locations um, multiple times. I mean, we have a couple locations here that we've been going to for three and four years repeatedly. Um, And the idea is when we go, are we going to get uh, replication of phenomena and therefore replication of data? Can we show that the activity is uh, consistent over time. Um, and a lot of these historical sites have yielded that. Really? Yes, sir. What has been your most frightening, if I can use that word without uh, overstating it, the, the, the case or the investigation that you've done that, that had the hair on the back of your neck stick up and goosebumps all over you? <laughs> um... That one is a that one is a is a is a hard hard one to talk about. Yeah. Um, the um, we we had a case. Uh, this was a, a private residence case. Mm-hmm. Um, this was um, within the last year, um, where the 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 client and I, I use the word client, but we don't accept any money for for what we do. But the client um, was uh, trying to was dabbling, was was very involved in, in Ouija tarot, trying to uh, conjure uh, uh, or make contact with with deceased individuals. And we had been investigating this residence for about two years. I think we'd gone up there a, a total of. Uh, half dozen times um, in that that span um, and uh, the, the activity started you know kind of poltergeist activity uh, type stuff mm-hmm. we would set up outside the house and uh, run cameras and drop data loggers in there um, and, and be outside and the house would be very noisy uh, you get a lot of bangings a lot of knockings um, a lot, a lot of that, very hmm. pronounced. Um, we'd had uh, voices in the house, um, and and we were getting some just some very bizarre um, uh, data. For example, in one section of the house at night, uh, we got a UV spike um, 
late at night that, that had you stood next to it, you would have gotten sunburned. Wow. That we couldn't explain. But long story short, the, the, the activity, the reports of the activity became more and more ten, intense. Um, and um, it's, it, I really, because I've, I've talked so much about um, the, the scientific aspects of what we do, uh, it, it, it starts to sound like it's going off the rails uh, when I talk like this, but it, 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 there, there was there was something there. It was what you would categorize commonly as, as, as malevolent mm-hmm. or, or, or demonic. Um, I had never encountered stuff something like that before. Um, a lot of our investigative team, uh, had not encountered that. Um, we have a couple people that, that specialize in those types of cases. Um, they are exceedingly rare, unlike what you would think if you watched a lot of TV. Um, in 10 years, I'd never encountered anything like this. But the, the thing was that whatever was in the house did not appreciate <laughs> us being there. Uh, we had... Uh, Brad, I think he was on the show with me last time. He yes, was he was. Growl right? bat. Oh my gosh. Um, we uh, had uh, some pretty pronounced shadow play in mm-hmm. the house and, and shadow manifestations. Um, but the thing that was most alarming is that um, we had investigators that had this follow them after <laughs> after the the uh, event and. Uh, to the point where we we pulled the plug on the case. Um, it, it was it was the, some of the things uh, that, that happened were, were significant enough that that it was it was not worth the risk to our our people and and the client was pretty dead set on continuing to do what they were doing. Um, and uh, it was uh, and and I I I. I I don't know whether this is true or not, um, but there's um, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of stuff in the lore when you get into those kind of hauntings that you know talking about it gives it recognition. Right. Um, so uh, that that was that was a, a profoundly disturbing disturbing case. <laughs> really, really. But it, but if it's something disturbing. if it's something demonic or evil to the point where you, a seasoned investigator, does not want to pursue the identity. Did you call in a member of the clergy, or did you just wipe your hands clean and walk away? Um, the client involved uh, in, in this matter, mm-hmm. um, the, the only thing that they subscribed to was uh, Wicca. Um, and uh, we um, did try to put mm-hmm. this client in touch with a local uh, Wiccan, uh, group. And, um, they spoke with the client and, um, they decided that it was too dangerous for them to be involved. Wow. Um, but you know, if, if you, for example, the Catholic church will get involved Mm -hmm. in these situations. Um, but they have a very pronounced and somewhat lengthy, um, vetting process. Yes, they do. Yeah. As they should. Yeah. As they, as they should. Um, to to try to rule out 
medical issues, mm-hmm. psychological issues, outright fraud. Um, um, but they will get involved. But but it also those situations also require the active involvement of the, the person experiencing it, the person who is the subject of it. They they have to want uh, something to change, and they have to be willing to change. Um, and, and if they're not, there's not but so much you can do for these folks. Yeah. Do you think that the television shows that are supposed to be reality TV... <laughs> Uh, are an asset or a detriment to true paranormal investigating? I, I think that they are an asset insofar as it gets the public interested in the phenomena. Mm-hmm. And I think that's about as far as it's, it goes. Um, beyond that, um, I, I think it, it has tended to sensationalize and and misrepresent um, the phenomena and, and uh, paranormal investigations in general. Um, I, I I don't I'll be honest I don't watch a lot of it. Yeah. I I I, I just don't. Um, there there's some that I watch mm-hmm. kind of like, and it tends to be more of the just tell me a story kind of uh, programming rather than reality based programming. Uh, you know, I, I have seen some some good reality-based programming. Right. I, I think, um, but a lot of it is just it's very sensational and it it, it misrepresents the field uh, at times. Um, and you know, again, I've seen some good stuff, mm-hmm. and for every bit of good stuff I've seen, I, I've, I've seen a lot more uh, stuff that that really gives me some pause. Um, but um, you know, it does it does bring attention to it. I just don't know if it's always good. Um, it also kind of perpetuates this idea that you know every time you go out, something's going to happen. This could be really really cool. Um, and you know, you go out and things do happen, and once in a while, something just really really cool happens. Um, but not nearly that often. And and some of the things like we find, I mentioned that that UV data mm-hmm. uh, UV spike in that house. That's not something that we experienced. That's something we, that we recorded via our data loggers um, because we're dropping data loggers that are measuring these different things, whether it's uh, UV uh, ionizing radiation, um, temperature, mm-hmm. uh, humidity. Um, we drop accelerometers for, for movement, vibration, that kind of thing. Um, so you, you may not actually experience something, but you're like, wow, what the heck is this crazy data spike on here that just shouldn't be? Um, so so sometimes the, the stuff that you get, you don't necessarily directly experience. And, and I, I, I think shows make it look like something's going to happen all the time. Prior to commencing an investigation, do you do a background uh, inquiry on the people who are claiming to have the the experience? Um, we don't do a background uh, in the sense that, uh, say, a, a law enforcement or a agency or yeah. a security business would do a background. Um, but we are going in. We we meet with uh, a client. Um, we talk to them extensively. Uh, 
we try to gather as much information as we possibly can about them, lifestyle, uh, practices, uh, try to determine if there's um, medical issues or psychological issues, uh, um, issues with the, the, the home itself mm-hmm. that could be causing uh, manifestations. Yeah. I mean, we, we know that excessive um, exposure to EMF can trigger uh, hallucinations or, or that feeling of being watched. Um, and so you could have some really bad wiring in a house with no ghost at all. You and I have to take our final break. Alan, please stand by. Great having you back on the show. Please give my very best to the other members of the Virginia Ghost and uh, Virginia CPRI, a great group of people, Exonation. And if you'd like more information, www.virginiaghost.com and on Facebook, VACPRI. And Alan and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the other side of these short breaks. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Alan Sloniker is our special guest this hour. He is with VirginiaGhosts.com, uh, and their Facebook page is VACPRI. Listen, we started the hour talking about the ionization data that you're collecting, and I'd love to get back into it because this is truly not only very interesting, but it's also very fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I talked a little bit about the fact that very heavily uh, to to collect quantifiable mm-hmm. data. So we're when we go in, we we are putting bloggers all over a, a location, and, and stuff is, is off the shelf equipment. Um, 
you can easily do, uh, buy uh, via Amazon or any other uh, retailer. Um, to track uh, temperature, humidity, barometric pressure, mm-hmm. uh, geometric scale, the three different access axes. Uh, we use the accelerometers uh, for vibration, uh, UV, uh, visible light, and ionizing radiation. Um, and so, again, if something happens, um, are we getting a change in these uh, uh, points? Um, the uh, Something else that we've noticed, it's good to see such a correlation that, that we stopped tracking it uh, before we go to an investigation and start looking at it afterwards, so tainting ourselves. But satellite mm-hmm. I mean it goes up and down in intensity and the one that we're looking at is above the uh, eastern seaboard of the United States um, I think that as it starts to go down that's when activity is occurring as it bottoms out and creeps up activity levels off as it goes down again that's when we're having manifestations and it's happened time and time and time again. So we're showing a correlation. Now causation, we have no idea. Correlation, something's going on. Same thing with radiation. If you look at a place like central Virginia, consistently we're at about 12 counts per minute on a guy or a counter. Um, now you go to someplace, um, like a big city, uh, uh, Brad, you like use the example of like Philadelphia and right. you could have a, a background radiation of about 30 counts per minute. We're finding that if we have a manifestation, see like a, a an, an EVP or, or an audible sound, you know, we had a, a case, for example, near us in, in Petersburg where we had whistling, very clear whistling, like somebody walking and whistling hmm. a tune but no footsteps and, and nothing to be seen. We're finding in a manifestation like that, no more than six feet out from that manifestation. And assuming that God willing, we have, we have a data logger in that vicinity. We're seeing a, a, a spike in ionizing radiation. Mm-hmm. Now a hundred counts per minute is danger level. And, and we have seen counts as high as 50. Wow. Why that is, <laughs> we have no explanation. Um, but uh, a, a spike uh, significantly above whatever the, the area's background is in ionizing radiation at the time of a manifestation is something that we are starting to consistently see. We've, we've started looking at it. We noticed it. We started you know, trying to utilize Geiger counters more and more. Um, and, and we've seen this. Um, why? We have no idea. Um, but, but an increase in ionizing radiation is somehow associated with manifestations. With all this data that you've collected, why, why, wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't you go to your local university and, and talk to somebody in the physics department and say, hey, listen, this is what we're doing. This is what we're finding. Here's the data. We're not making this up, for God's sake. We need help. 
we we have um, we have had some contacts with uh, uh, some mm-hmm. a, a university in our area. And I don't know that I'm in liberty no, at no. liberty to to discuss it at, in great detail, um, but um, we haven't generated that level of interest as yet. Wow. Um, and, and I'm, you know, and I, I think in that particular case, it's because they are concentrating on some other areas of research okay. and, and they're a very, very small, uh, department within a larger institution. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I still think you have that, that stigma, uh, associated with it. Um, and you know, the opportunity to do shows like yours or, or, uh, any other way that we can get our information out right. um, uh, and, and hopefully somebody in your audience hears it and goes, ha ha, hey, I want to get on board with the way they're doing things and maybe we can share back and forth. Well, you know, there is a gentleman that if you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to send a link to this, uh, to our interview. His name is Dr. Albert Taylor. And he's one of the okay. NASA scientists that worked on the space station and, and some other great things. Now he's involved in investigating the paranormal. That would be great. So if you don't mind, I, I'd like to uh, you know get you guys connected because I really think that the more people that we have looking at it through a credible microscope and through credible research, this is a, what I think the missing link is in the entire paranormal field, whether it's the... You know, the cryptozoology, ufology, cryptids, whatever. There is no set pattern and no no established way of doing it the right way. And you know and I know as being cops, there are so many ways to, to fluff an investigation. But if you stick to the tried and true method of investigation, reporting, maintaining the chain of custody of evidence and sharing information with other agencies, you will solve that crime. Right. And, and, and I, don't, I, I, I don't profess to be a scientist. Uh, I, I, am, I am an experienced investigator yeah. in, in the paranormal and, and in my professional life. Yeah. Um, but I'm not a scientist. I, I don't have a Ph.D. I would love it if some Ph.D.s came along and, and took it and ran with it. Yeah, but you... Um, but you that, that, you know, much smarter than me. But you see, even in police work, you and I were in, oh, I was an investigator. We had the forensic guys, the lab guys who are the scientists. We didn't do everything ourselves. There were experts, and I think we need to get these experts on board with us so that when you come up with evidence like you're collecting, and you bring it to the uh, to the to the scientists and the experts. They can work with you to to come to a conclusion one way or another. Oh, oh exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as an investigator, I can collect information. Yep. And, and I can perhaps show correlation, and mm-hmm. I, I need somebody like that to show mm-hmm. causation. Yeah. And. and yeah, I, we have some brilliant minds in our organization. Um, I, I don't profess to be one of them, but we have some really brilliant, very skilled, uh, nicely credentialed people. Um, but we need more. Yeah. Um, we need more to, to maybe start cracking causation. More professionalism and less sensationalism. Yes. Yeah, because I, I you know, 
I, I, I've heard stories of so-called investigators going into houses, yelling at spirits, being rude not only to the spirits, but to the people who, whose home they're in. And, you know, they, they walk in as if they're all this plus much more. And, and all they're doing is they're putting a lot of tainting onto the, onto the field that already is undergoing a lot of public scrutiny. And and the more the more professional you are, the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's always. Yep. I think that's with anything. Um, and I, I I like to think that our our professionalism, how we how we do what we do, has has been what has allowed us to get into a lot of places that that we have you know, a lot of folks mm-hmm. begin to 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 do this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's an interesting field that that you're investigating and um are are there new and better pieces of equipment that are being manufactured and created for the paranormal world specifically for the paranormal um no i I don't i don't think there are i mean i think you have to know what you're looking for before Mm you uh, generate a piece of equipment um again most of what we're using is uh, off-the-shelf stuff. I mean, we go into a location. We uh, will drop as many as a couple dozen DVR cameras or more. Um, we will run live audio throughout um, and and record throughout. We'll drop uh, extra recorders around, and then we go through with the uh, the data loggers. And wow. we're trying to cover an area with as much recording equipment, including the data loggers, as we possibly can. Um, and, uh, but it's all off-the-shelf stuff. Um, it's, it's all readily accessible. Um, and most of the data loggers are, are plug-and-play type things mm-hmm. that you can put into your computer and, and you can look at uh, a graph of what you recorded over a period of time. So you can see where your, your, your spikes are, for example. Um, and you can match that to, uh, say, a, a piece of audio that you right. collected. Hey, listen, Alan, as always, whenever you're on, time goes by so fast. Thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Always a great pleasure. Keep the great work up, my friend, and please give my very best to the other members of CPRI. You guys are an asset to the community. Thank you so much, Rob. I greatly appreciate it. You take care of yourself, my friend, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the Exxon. Until then, be safe, be well, and my regards to everyone down there. Exxon Nation, Alan Sloniker has been my guest, www.virginiaghost.com, and on Facebook, V-A-C-P-R-I. I'll be back. Don't go away.